Georgia. Money can't buy happiness, but it sure is a start. Hunched over her laptop, Georgia tried to remember who said that. She was in the middle of a search for the title of a vacation home in Galena, Illinois. A couple, one of whom was her client, had been married 30 years, but was now locked in a bitter divorce battle. Both parties claimed the property, but even with a subpoena, neither the husband nor the wife, or their respective lawyers, had coughed up enough information to verify the claim. Georgia was slogging through public records on the state of Illinois' website, hoping to find the title to the property, but so far she'd had no success. She was cursing Paul Kelly, the lawyer who'd sent her the job, when her cell trilled. Dave is here. Hi, Georgia. It's Ellie Foreman. Georgia sat up. She'd known Foreman for years, since she'd been the youth officer on the village police force. She'd counseled Foreman's daughter, Rachel, through a dark period when the girl was 12. A year later, she and Ellie had found themselves on the same side of a case involving white slavery and the Russian mob. Foreman was the kind of woman who seemed to attract trouble. It was a small miracle she was still alive. Georgia hadn't heard from her in almost a year, which was a good sign. That she was calling now wasn't. Hello, Ellie. Is everything okay? How's Rachel? She's fine. She's a senior now, applying to college soon. No way. I'm not that old. Where does she want to go? We're hoping to cheer on the Hawkeyes. Great school. It's her first choice. But that's not why I called. I need your help, Georgia. It's an emergency. Georgia hung up went into her bedroom, and opened her bureau drawer. The furniture in her Evanston apartment was still new. She'd had to replace it all after a fire last year. And she felt a sense of satisfaction as the drawer slid smoothly across the metal tracks. She took out a white tank top, then went to her closet and pulled out a pair of beige slacks and a lightweight navy blazer. She had four nearly identical blazers, two for summer, and two for winter. They were all loose-fitting and had plenty of pockets. You never knew what you might have to stash in them. In the bathroom, she peered into the mirror. She normally wore her blonde hair in a ponytail, but today she left it down. It softened the sharp planes of her face and made her nose seem less prominent. Her blue eyes were wide and unflinching, but her eyelashes and brows were so light, they seemed to disappear on her face. Even so, Pete said that she reminded him of Scarlett Johansson. She smiled at the thought and applied some lipstick, her only concession to fashion. Then she stuffed her wallet, keys, notebook, and pen in her pockets and took off. Driving her red Toyota up Green Bay Road, she thought back to what Foreman said on the phone. Of all the crimes against people, kidnapping was the most personal and cruel. To steal a child, someone's flesh and blood, suggested a viciousness that was hard to understand. Even if the resolution was good and the child was returned uninjured, the family would bear the scars forever. 
The parents would always worry about the people who came into their child's life. And if it turned out that one of the parents had taken the child, as so often happened, the other would never sleep through the night again. Foreman had said Christine Messenger was recently divorced. Had it been ugly? If so, the ex-husband could be involved. He might have skipped town, maybe the country. Fathers sometimes did. Even so, the chances were good no harm would come to the child. Which was oddly reassuring. In the event it was a stranger abduction, the kidnapper probably wanted money. That also usually meant the child wouldn't be harmed. At least until the ransom was paid. The problem was if there was no demand. No communication from the kidnappers. Georgia didn't want to think about that.